Hello everybody, it is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys' support on the show. We got a lot to talk about here. We got Wild Card Weekend in the NFL, which was an absolute blast. So many interesting takeaways from that. I got three NBA teams I want to talk about, those being the Warriors, Hornets, and Thunder. And then I want to do player spotlights on three young and up-and-coming wings that have been standing out to me. And those guys are Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Hunter, and Patrick Williams. So yeah, let's just get right into the episode. First, I want to talk about the Colts versus the Bills. This was a very, very fun game between two just very solid teams and the Bills were able to get the narrow win here 24 to 27 the Bills performed pretty solid I mean Josh Allen continues to do just the phenomenal things that he's been doing all season I've been so impressed by him the leap he's taken has just been absolutely astronomical this game completed 26 of 35 passes for 304 24 yards, two touchdowns, also had 54 yards on the ground and a touchdown. It's just so phenomenal for me to see his improvement and his mechanics. He's gotten so much more fluid, like his ability to escape pressure and then hit his guys is just so much better than it's ever been. And then he obviously still has those incredible physical gifts with his uh, huge arm and how just big and fast he is. It's a true pleasure watching uh, Josh Allen, and that's a reason. That's the reason I've been so confident in this Bills team. Like the defense was something I thought they were going to hang their hat on this season, and. It's- hasn't been like terrible but it's been a little bit disappointing but this offense is just so explosive Stephon Diggs continues to just make the bit the massive impact that he does literally every single game six receptions 128 yards and a touchdown he really needs to start getting mentioned a lot more when we're talking about the best receivers in the game like Stephon Diggs is up there that guy is phenomenal Dawson Knox also had a touchdown Gabriel Davies Uh, Davis had 85 yards, Cole Beasley 57 as well, and their defense didn't play like super great by any means, but they did come up at timely moments, they stopped them at the end, that was so stupid that that wasn't a fumble, because it was very, very clearly a fumble, and them saying like it was inconclusive and they couldn't come to uh, an agreement, that was just the one of the most stupid things I've ever seen that should have been an easy takeaway and just completely have given the Colts no chance in that game but Philip Rivers was solid in this one kind of the typical Philip Rivers stuff but he didn't throw an interception in this one which is always good the run game was really the thing that was the most standout I mean Jonathan Taylor only averaged 3.7 yards per carry but did still have 78 yards on the touchdown and then I Hines on only six carries got 75 yards Michael Pittman uh, five receptions for 90 yards Jack Doyle that's uh, seven receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. And Zach Pascal also got another touchdown. It's really sad for me to see the regret, the regression of T.Y. Hill. And he's been one of my favorite players uh, throughout just the last decade in the NFL. But he's clearly taken a big, big step back and just isn't the same player he used to be, man. But I do think this Colts team has a ton of potential and could be a very very good team and like a super bowl level team before we know it all they need to do is just find that quarterback for their team because philip rivers he's just so old and i mean they definitely could have him for another year i wouldn't be mad at that 
But at some point, they do need to find their disfranchised guy who they can have for the long haul, whether that be you trade for Carson Wentz and try to fix the mess that was this season for him, whether you try and pick a quarterback in this draft or next draft, you trade for someone else. Like They, they just need to find their guy going into the future, and then they could easily be one of the best teams in the NFL because this defense is already very, very good. Darius Leonard is a stud of a player. DeForest Buckner was one of just the best trades for them to make. Like That was such a phenomenal trade, and he's been such a difference maker for this team. And they're very well coached as well. Uh, for the most part, special teams has been very good, even though there was some uh, bad moments here and there, like Blankenship missed a pretty easy field goal. Uh, but overall, I mean, they did perform pretty well in this one. And they fought with a Bills team that I personally think has a very, very good chance of making the Super Bowl. So if they can find that franchise guy going forward at the quarterback position with their already very good running game, solid receiving core, even though they could use some uh, other guys in the receiving core, like a true dominant number one, and then the good defense, their good coaching, I think this Colts team could be very, very dangerous. And I think the Bills are just one hell of a team. Next game I want to talk about is Rams versus Seahawks. This one was definitely a disappointing game. As someone who really likes the Seahawks, I like a lot of the players on this team. Russell Wilson's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I really like Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. Like I love a lot of these guys on this roster, but they just did not come to play at all in this game. Russell Wilson had a really rough game in this one, 11 completions for on uh, 27 attempts, 174 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. It just wasn't the typical Rus Russell Wilson that you'd hope to see, and it wasn't the typical Russell Wilson that this Seahawks team really needed to do anything in the playoffs because they needed Russell Wilson to be the guy we saw in the first half of the season, but this was more the guy we saw in the second half of the season where their defense actually stepped up and started playing better, but then their offense went down from this crazy offense that was so explosive, so electric, to just a fine offense, and they really just couldn't move the ball too effectively in this one. Uh, you got to also give a lot of credit to this Rams defense. This Rams defense is definitely one of the better ones in the NFL. I mean, they do such a good job of getting after the quarterback. Obviously, Aaron Donald is just such a beast. Uh, if you consider just pure talent and how good of a player uh, Aaron Donald is, he very well could be the best player in the NFL if you're not considering like positional value. And then Leonard Floyd got two sacks in this one along with Aaron Donald. Uh, Morgan Fox got a sack like they were getting after Russell Wilson making every throw hard making him really have to do his best to extend plays and that's going to wear down on a player at a certain point they just and they just played such good coverage as well like Jalen Ramsey was locking up DK Metcalf I know just if you just look at the stat sheet I mean DK Metcalf had five receptions for 96 yards and two touchdowns like that's a good stat line but it really wasn't that impactful, to be honest. Like, he had that long touchdown that definitely inflated his numbers. But for the most part, at least, 
That boy got locked up by one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and Jalen Ramsey. I got to give him a ton of credit. And just as a whole, the coverage that they were playing was so great. So many times Russell Wilson was either forced to try and make a really tight window throw or a lot of times you just have to throw it away because of how good they were covering. And even with depleted quarterback play with Jared Goff playing very clearly injured and him not being uh, able to do much. Even with that, they were able to get a pretty comfortable win. Like, at no point did this game feel really that close. And uh, John Warford did get injured in this one from the hit from Jamal Adams. I'll definitely be interested to see what happens with him because uh, that could be a big thing. Because, obviously, he isn't, like, a great player by any means. But Jared Goff is definitely injured. And he's already not that good anyway. So, an injured Jared Goff especially... I definitely don't trust if I don't trust the normal Jared Goff. And, I mean, in this game, it just showed, I mean, nine completions on 19 attempts, 155 yards, and a touchdown. He wasn't asked to do much. They definitely relied way more on their running game, which makes complete sense. Like, Cam Akers was excellent in this one, 28 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. They did a really good job of controlling the clock by just running running it consistently with him he also had 45 receiving yards like he was a very very important player in this game and I feel like he didn't get nearly enough recognition for how good of a game he had Cooper Cup four receptions for 78 yards I mean Robert Woods had four receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown just overall this team played some very very good football and they could be a team that just puts up a fight against almost anyone due to how good they are on the defensive side of the ball. Even if I do worry about Jared Goff facing some of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, that defense is just so good and the running game is good that it gives them a, at least a chance against any team in the NFL. I was really, really impressed by how the Los Angeles Rams played. And I was just super disappointed in the Seahawks. I picked them to win this. I thought it would be a close game for sure. Uh, just because the Seahawks, the Seahawks were such a weird team in the second half where like, even though they were 12 and four, they didn't play the best football. They didn't play nearly to their capability. Uh, and it just, something just fell off about this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then you're relying on their defense to be like above average. And even when they were playing better, they weren't some elite defense by any means. They were just getting better from like the worst defense in the NFL. So that was a pretty disappointing game. Wish the Seahawks could have put up more of a fight in this one and wish it could have been a closer game, but got to give a lot of credit to the Rams. They played some excellent football in this one and definitely could be a very, very interesting team in this NFL playoff. Next game I want to talk about is Buccaneers versus Washington. This was actually a very, very good game right here. Uh, I expected this one to be pretty close just because of how well Washington is coached. Like, even though they're far from the most talented team, they're super disciplined, they're super well coached, and they just have a bunch of guys who just play super hard, and they're so good on the defensive side of the ball. Like, that D-line especially is something really, really special. But as I expected and as most people expected, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to get the win in this one. Tom Brady played some very, very good football, completed 22 of his 40 attempts for 381 yards and two touchdowns, multiple time, made big, timely plays. He was just very, very accurate and very, very good in this one. Leonard Fournette had 19 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Antonio Brown had one carry and got 22 yards on that. 
overall, Antonio Brown's starting to really get some momentum and is starting to play like the elite receiver that we all knew he has the talent of, but he just hadn't played in so long that it wasn't really surprising that he may have had some early struggles, but he's starting to look like the old AB. And man, is that terrifying stuff right there. He had uh, almost 50 receiving yards as well in a touchdown. Chris Godwin had 79 yards in a touchdown. Cameron Bray had 80 yards. Mike Evans was super involved in this one. Six receptions for basically 120 yards. He was great in this one. And then their defense definitely didn't play too great. And they kind of got sliced apart uh, by Taylor at points. But Overall, they did make some big plays, and a lot of the times you just had to give credit to the Washington offense because they just played better than you'd expect them to, and some people are going to look at that as a worry, but I'm not super worried about this defense because it's been pretty good all year, and it, a lot of the times it was just... It was just Washington making some very, very good plays. Like, Taylor Henneke was absolutely phenomenal in this one. I got to give him all the credit in the world. He completed 26 of 44 uh, passes for 306 yards and touchdown. Did have an interception there. Also, he had a rushing touchdown, 46 yards on the ground. And that rushing touchdown was it was it was really special stuff from him right there. Just all effort fully extending to the end zone that was phenomenal and it was very very exciting to watch cam sims had a big game with seven receptions 104 yards scary terry continues to do what he does all year and just be great six receptions for 75 yards i feel like he's starting to go pretty under the radar just because this team isn't like the flashiest team by any means and his quarterback play has been so just inconsistent and so bad for his whole career, but he's still managed to be one of the best receivers in the NFL and is truly, truly elite. Uh, I really hope they can get another weapon alongside him because this Washington team can be very special going into the future. I mean, they competed very hard with a good Buccaneers team. Uh, I don't really think Taylor is the guy at out of the quarterback position I know he played phenomenal in this one but I just need to see more at the end of the day there's a lot of guys who've had very good games and then don't really amount to be anything but I do think he definitely deserves a spot back on this roster and I think as a backup and just as some as just like the safe option for them I think that'd be great but they do really need to find their next franchise guy who can just be there for the long haul and if they can do that, this team, this team's gonna be so good because you gotta consider how good this defense is already. Chase Young is just such an animal. I mean, we all knew he was gonna be very, very good. He's just one of the most talented players we've seen come in the NFL in a long, long while. He was basically like the perfect prospect from all the experts. All the casual people, like, everybody recognized how good Chase Young is. And it's not like they just don't have anybody alongside him. And uh, the whole offensive line can just focus on Chase Young. Like, that's what makes this team so good is that they have to put a lot of focus on Chase Young because he's so good. But then you have other guys like Montez Sweat and Deron Payne who can get after the quarterback as well. And it just opens up the game for them. And then if they're getting after the quarterback, that's going to help Chase Young as well. Like, it's a great dynamic they have there on the defensive line. And they're just so well coached with Ron Rivera. He's done such a phenomenal job 
of leading a not super talented team to being a playoff team and then putting up a damn good fight against a team that really could be a Super Bowl team. Like the Buccaneers have been pretty inconsistent all year, but on the Buccaneers' best day, they can beat anyone in the NFL. So got to give a ton of credit to Washington for how they played in this one and this team has a very very bright future I'm very excited to see how the Buccaneers can perform going forward but yeah this was one of the best games of the entire wildcard weekend and I really really enjoyed this one next game I want to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans this was a game that I was heavily anticipating, and it was definitely a very solid game. I mean, Lamar was able to get his first playoff win, which, good for him. That was a really, really big moment. He played super well this game, completed 17 of his 24 passes, 179 yards, did have that interception, and honestly, I don't know what the hell he was doing on that throw. That was just, that was a terrible throw from him. And a big mistake, and that could have costed them, but luckily it didn't. And then in the rushing game, he had 16 carries, 136 yards. And that touchdown he had, that was phenomenal stuff from him right there. And it just shows that special ability that he has to really turn nothing into something because of how fast he is and how elusive he is. And just his ability to get to his top speed so quickly is the thing that's honestly more impressive impressive than just his just strictly his speed to me like he's obviously very fast but he could just get to his high speed so quickly and again he's just so elusive does such a good job of uh, navigating around the pocket and that was a really really special play from him right there Marquise Brown finally had like an excellent game where he got seven receptions and 109 yards also had 19 yards in the rushing game Mark Andrews had 41 yards but honestly uh, they really didn't get too many guys involved it was mostly just the Marquise Brown show and then Mark Andrews got pretty involved as well and that is my thing with the Ravens team is just their lack of weapons around Lamar Jackson at the receiving position like obviously this rushing game is absolutely phenomenal they're one of the best that the nfl has ever seen because they have so many guys who can get involved and are all very good and plus players in the rushing game lamar is obviously such a good rusher jk dobbins has been great as a rookie gus edwards is a good power guy like they have such a good dynamic in the rushing game but i'm just not super confident in their passing game and that's not because of lamar is lamar like the most accurate passer in the league no but he's a very accurate passer a lot of times it just comes down to these guys uh, don't consistently get separation enough and I feel like a lot of people blame Lamar on that when that's just simply not his fault at all and he doesn't deserve the blame for some of the struggles they can have at times but I was honestly just most impressed by this Ravens defense oh my goodness they played amazing in this game I mean holding an explosive uh, offense like the Tennessee Titans to 13 points is incredible and the thing that stood out most was this run defense clamped up Derrick Henry he only had 18 carries for 40 yards averaged 2.2 yards per carry it was just a true show how they were able to stop Derrick Henry the way they did like this man is one of the most unstoppable players in the NFL he had 2,000 yards this season for a reason he's so so good he mixes perfectly while being so powerful but still being very very quick and explosive 
and they were able to just do such a good job of stopping him. And they did they did the classic thing that will let you win football games no matter what, even in a more pass-oriented league. If you can run the ball very effectively and stop the run very effectively, you're going to have a chance in every single game. And that's what the Ravens did. They gave themselves a chance even when certain times when the offense was stalling. Uh, the defense just played so, so excellent. And I got to give them a ton of credit. Uh, a pickup like Calais Campbell is definitely a big part of this game. I mean, he's a, such a great run defender. And they just have a lot of good pieces on that side of the ball. They got some very good corners. And they just played such excellent defense the entire game. And this was my thing with the Titans all year is when Derrick Henry uh, wouldn't be just like the best running back in the NFL, wouldn't have this crazy game. I just couldn't trust them to consistently make big plays on long third downs. And we saw that be just completely ineffective this game. I mean, they had 10 uh, points in the first quarter, and then their next score was in the fourth quarter, and they got a field goal. Like, their offense was just completely ineffective for a long, long while. Just a ton of punts. Uh, they didn't go for it on, like, a fourth and two, which doesn't make sense. I, I know Derrick Henry is struggling, but it's still Derrick Henry. you got to give him the ball at the end of the day. And it Again, this was just my thing with them. Like, even though Ryan Tannehill's a very good player, he is most effective when uh, the running game is very good because then that allows play action. And then that's when he's slicing up defenses is when he's just not asked to do too much, when he's asked to just be pretty conservative and then make the big play at uh, certain times. And uh, when he's asked to be this, like, precision pocket passer, that's just not his role. Uh, and, I mean, we saw that with him only passing for 165 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Like, that's not a great game. But A.J. Brown continues his awesome season. I feel like he deserves a lot more recognition. He's been so, so good all year. Uh, had 83 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown, he just completely, completely owned one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Marlon Humphrey. Like, that was, that was a great play from him right there. And the surprising thing about this game is – I could have easily see, seen the Ravens winning a high-scoring, explosive back-and-forth game where both offenses were just running the ball so effectively, and then each QB was playing well. But this game, the Titans' defense played some of the best football they did all year, and they weren't able to win because of how bad the offense was. Like, Harold Landry was able to get two sacks. Taquan Jones was able to get a sack. Brooks Reed, Matt Dickerson. Like, they were all getting after Lamar very, very well. We're playing some good coverage but the issue was just the offensive side of the ball was stalling up for them like they played good on special teams Steven Goskowski made both of his field goals made his extra point Brett Kern was punting it well all day like it was just, it just came down to their offense simply not being effective enough which is just so weird out of this Titans team because that is the last thing you expect you expect them even in a uh, loss of a game to be very good and effective on the offensive side of the ball but maybe struggle on defense but nope it was it was a different story this game and I'm excited to see what the Ravens can do because like I said with their ability to run the ball and stop the run they could put up a fight with any team in the NFL next game I want to talk about is Bears versus Saints and oh my god this was the most boring game I've ever seen Bro, this this was such an awful game. Like, 
I, I was barely paying attention at a certain point because it was just obvious that the Saints were going to win going into this game, but it became even more obvious as the game kept going on. I mean, Drew Brees was very solid in this game, completed 28 of his 39 passes for 265 yards and two touchdowns. I still don't really trust him to be able to make uh, big throws deep down the field in big moments, but... He can still uh, hit underneath routes very well, and then they have a pretty good offense. They ha they uh, scheme it pretty well around him, and they then they just rely more on Alvin Kamara because, I mean, we all know how good he is, especially when you're getting him in open space in the passing game. He's a weapon, and then he's obviously such a good runner as well. He averaged 4.3 yards per carry, almost had 100 yards and a touchdown, continues to just have the amazing season that he does. Does he's been so consistent all year? Deontay Harris had seven receptions for 83 yards, Michael Thomas, five receptions, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Latavius Murray was able to get the other touchdown in the passing game, and then they just kind of spread it around like they got a lot of different guys involved. Would like to see Emmanuel Sanders have a better game for sure. I mean, he only had three yards in this one with two receptions. Um, Taysom Hill did have a lost uh, fumble, which definitely did hurt them. It was just kind of a weird play where it hit off a lineman and then uh, they were able to get it. That was pretty unfortunate for them, but, I mean, they were still able to completely just lock down the Bears. This defense is very, very good, and that's the thing that has impressed everybody about the Saints this year is their ability on the defensive side of the ball has been so much better than I definitely expected. Like, they've been great on defense all year. And obviously, the Bears are far from a prolific offense by any means, but they still did a very good job of locking down this Bears team. The rushing game for them was just completely ineffective. David Montgomery had 12 carries for 31 yards, only averaged 2.6 on the ground. Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, it's, it's Mitchell Trubisky at the end of the day, like, he had 19 completions on 29 attempts, 199 yards, and a touchdown. Definitely should have had another one where he threw a perfect ball, and then Javon Wims just literally dropped it completely wide open. And, I mean, he was missing some weapons. Like, he was missing a guy like uh, Dar Darnell Mooney, who's been very good for them as a rookie. But at the end of the day, Mitchell Trubisky just isn't that good of a football player, like, uh, I've completely given up on Mitchell Trubisky, and I think that it's time for them to finally give up. Like uh, On Matt Nagy as well, I don't think Matt Nagy is a good play caller. I think he's another big reason why this offense has failed. So when you have an already not good quarterback and then bad play calling in Matt Nagy, what else do you expect to happen other than your team to consistently fail on the offensive side of the ball? And even though they've consistently had one of the better defenses, that doesn't mean anything when you're offense is just completely stalling and doing nothing to help your defense because at a certain point NFL teams are going to score if you have to punt seven times and if you can't move the ball at all like this team just uh, isn't that good and they were very lucky to even make it in the playoffs and I think we all knew they weren't going to do anything in the playoffs like I remember talking early in the season talking about how this team was terrible even though they were like what five and one and I was proven completely right because they were terrible in the second half of the season and by the grace of God they were able to get in the playoffs but I think the Bears need to make some big big moves because this team can be good like Allen Robinson is a great receiver I think Darnell Mooney has crazy potential uh 
I think this defense is very, very good. It has so many good pieces on it. And if you can just get a competent offense with solid play calling and solid quarterback play, this team has a lot of potential, but they just haven't been able to do that these past couple seasons. And yeah, they got to uh, do that or this team will just never have the success that they are capable of because the offense will consistently hold them back from being the team that we all know they can be. Next and last game we want to talk about is Browns versus Steelers. Just wow, this game was the shock of a lifetime, man. Even though I was very unconfident in this Pittsburgh Steelers team, I just thought they were getting all the wrong momentum getting in the playoffs, playing the worst football they had all year. After the 11-0 start, they just played some uh, very below average football. They looked like a 500 team. They did not look like an undefeated team. And uh, I was, even with those worries, I still thought the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to win. Now, did I think it was going to be a close game? Absolutely. But I thought the Browns missing some important players and also missing their head coach and uh, Stefan Vazanski would be a big, big reason why they would lose this game. But they played lights out football in this one. I got to give all the credit in the world, first of all, to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has proved all his doubters wrong time and time again and did it yet again this game. After a pretty underwhelming first half of the season where he wasn't terrible by any means, but he wasn't great. He was lights out in the second half of the season. I think I saw a stat where it's like he threw the least interceptions out of a starting quarterback in the last half of the season. I think he only threw one. He was playing some great football, and you could say, well, uh, the coaching was very well. He's not asked to do much, but honestly, I don't care about that. I don't care if Baker Mayfield needs to have a good running game and needs to be coached well, because most quarterbacks I don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. The very, very special quarterbacks are able to win or at least put up a fight in almost any circumstance because they're just that good. But Baker Mayfield put in the right situation is a damn good football player. And he proved that in this game. Uh, he constantly made big plays on long third downs. He was able to play excellent football in this one. He completed 21 of 34 passes for 263 yards and three touchdowns. I'm perfectly happy if Baker Mayfield relies more on his running game, throws short passes, but then is able to step up big time on third down and in the red zone. If he can do that, then I'm so happy with that. And the Browns are going to be happy with that because they can compete against almost any team because this running game is so good. I mean, Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is the best running back in the NFL and a lot of metrics would back that up he's just such a phenomenal player and they also have a good line to uh, help him as well and then Kareem Hunt as a backup is just one of the most ridiculous things ever like Kareem Hunt is such a good backup uh, he had 48 yards and two touchdowns in this one he was a big big part of this game Jarvis Landry had that long touchdown he had 92 yards as a whole Nick Chubb had 69 yards in the receiving game and a touchdown Austin Hooper had 46 yards and a touchdown like they were so great in this one on offense consistently just making big plays and the running game was so effective Baker Mayfield was excellent I loved everything I saw from uh, them on the offense side of the ball and then on defense they played excellent football multiple times getting big stops 
uh, forcing turnovers. They had four interceptions in this one on the first play of the game. I mean, this was more of a Steelers thing. I'll get more into the Steelers. This is just time to praise the Browns for me, but they also got that defensive touchdown. Like, they just played completely lights-out football on all aspects of the game. Special teams was good. Like, you could tell this team was prepared, and they were out for blood in this one. They were so much more prepared than the Steelers, which is crazy because the Steelers had their head coach. They didn't have any COVID issues. Like, the Browns should have lost this game on all accounts. They're probably the less talented team. They're didn't have their head coach. They had issues with COVID and lost multiple starters. This had all the storm. It was the perfect storm for the Browns to lose this game. And they overcame all the odds and were able to get an easy win in this one. Even though at some points, like late in the game, it got a little bit too close to comfort for me. At the end of the day, this Browns team had the win secured when they went up 28 to nothing. Like, it's hard to come back from that much. We were all so impressed when the Patriots came back from 28 to 3. But 28 to nothing, that's a whole different story, man. And now, going on to the Pittsburgh Steelers side of things. If I'm being completely honest, I do not care at all that Ben Roethlisberger had 501 yards and four touchdowns. He was terrible this game. So many missed throws, so many just bad ball placement. Like, he was atrocious this game. He threw four interceptions. It was just an absolute mess from him. Like, ball hidden off defensive linemen, ball hidden off receivers' hands. Like, literally everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And those 501 yards are just empty numbers that mean absolutely nothing. And that's why you can't just look at numbers at the end of the day. Because if you look at just strictly the 501 yards and four touchdowns, that looks like a good game. But if you actually watch the game, Big Ben played atrocious in this one. And, I mean, it just started off as bad as it possibly could have literally right away. Terrible snap. Uh, the Steelers players aren't able to get on the ball. And then the Browns get a touchdown literally right away. Then it's an interception. And Jar Jarvis Landry has the 40-yard touchdown. Then they have to punt. Uh, the Browns score a touchdown again. Another interception. The Browns score a touchdown. Like, the, the Steelers just played absolutely terrible. And they showed a lot of their issues that they had. They can't run the ball effectively. Uh, James Conner averaged 3.4 yards per carry. He's just not been that good all year. Uh, ben Roethlisberger isn't that guy anymore. He's just too old, and he's simply not the player that he used to be. And again, a lot of these numbers are just empty calorie numbers. Like, if you look at Juju, I mean, it looks like he had an awesome game. And, I mean, he played well, but... At the end of the day, they lost the football game, so these numbers don't mean anything. They don't matter. Uh, and then their defense, which was the strong part of their team all year, the part of their team that made them so scary in the first place. They got sliced apart on both aspects of the game. Baker Mayfield was killing them the entire time, and that running game, oh my goodness, that running game absolutely destroyed them. It was, it was embarrassing how the Pittsburgh Steelers played, and they should be ashamed of themselves because... This was a game that they had to win after all the talking that they did, especially with Juju saying this is the same old Browns team. 
Uh, if this is the same old Browns team, then this team has been good for 20 years, but they haven't. This team is a different team with a quarterback who's matured so much. I got to also give a lot of credit to Baker Mayfield that it's not only that he's playing the best football of his career, it's that he's more mature than ever. You can tell he's leading this team and he's not doing all that talking to the media anymore. He's just putting his head down and focusing on football and that's working for him. He's playing so, so well and again all the credit in the world to that man for the way he's been able to play I do not care if the Cleveland Browns get blown out in their next game because it's more likely than not that they'll lose but if they could just put up even somewhat of a fight then that's successful but even if they don't this is a success of a season from this roster because they outperformed everyone's expectations I expected them to be fighting for a playoff spot but winning a playoff game uh, the way they did and the fashion that they did, it's it's truly, truly special stuff from the Cleveland Browns. And I'm so happy for every Cleveland fan. I'm happy for Baker Mayfield. I'm happy for Nick Chubb. Like, all these guys deserve it so much, and especially the fans, man. If you guys were able to stick around this terrible team for so, so long, you deserve this so, so much. And this was a show of a game. This was one of... The most exciting games for me, even though it was a blowout most of the time, I was so happy to see the Cleveland Browns win. And it's not even a thing where it's like, oh, I just wanted the Steelers to lose. I just am rooting for the Browns so much. And if you know me, I've been high on them all year. But man, I could have never expected this. And this was a really, really fun game. And it made me very, very happy to see the way they were able to perform. Shout out to the Cleveland Browns, man. That was that was some excellent football from them right there. Now getting into my predictions for the divisional playoffs. We got some very interesting games right here. First, I'll start off with the Rams versus Packers. Now, this game, honestly, I just can't see the Packers losing a game like this to a team that is very clearly inferior, that has issues with their quarterback play, and even though they're very good on the defensive side of the ball, they're well-coached. Uh, I just think the Packers are the better football team at the end of the day. The Packers have been playing such good football all year. Aaron Rodgers has been playing like an MVP. Devontae Adams has been ridiculous this year. Like, uh, I'm very confident in this Packers team, even if I don't like them, even if I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I just think they're too good of a team for me to bet against, especially to a team that is very clearly inferior to them. So I'd give the Packers a pretty easy win in this one. I do think the Rams could put up a fight just due to how good they are on defense, and they probably will be able to pressure Aaron Rodgers pretty well. But I think the Packers are just too well-rounded and too good of a team to lose this game. Next game is Ravens versus Bills, and I think this is going to be a very, very fun game right here uh, against two just very good offenses, but in two very different ways. The Bills are really not able to run the football too well, but their passing attack has been absolutely electric, and it's kind of the opposite for the Ravens, where they're one of the best rushing attacks that the NFL has ever seen, but they're not a super good passing team, uh, and then the Ravens do have a uh, pretty good defense as well. Bills defense is just pretty average, but I have to give the Bills the win in this one. As much as I did like some of the things that I was able to see against the uh, against the Colts for the Ravens, and as uh, not against the Colts, uh, what am I saying? Uh, as much as I was uh, liked what I saw against the Titans for the Ravens, uh, 
I do just think the Bills are the better football team at the end of the day. If you know me, I've spoken very, very highly of the Bills on multiple occasions. They've been the team that's just stood out the most to me this year. Uh, I was very on the fringe of making them my Super Bowl pick, and it's still something I go back and forth on. So I do think they'll win this game, but I think this is going to be a very fun game. I think this is going to be similar to the Colts game, where it's a close game, it's back and forth. But I think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and that offense is just too good for the Ravens. But yeah, this is going to be a really fun game, and I'm super excited to see this one. Have to give the Bills the edge on this one, though. And now we got Browns versus Chiefs, and as much as I absolutely love the Cleveland Browns, I love this team, and I think they're very, very good, I can't see the Kansas City Chiefs losing this one. Now, if the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Cleveland Browns, that'd be one of the just most crazy things ever. I cannot imagine what Twitter would be like after that, but I think this... Chiefs offense is just way too explosive for the Browns to handle and the Browns aren't like a great defense by any means uh, but I think it's, it's another game that will be good just due to how good the Browns are at running the football and the Chiefs defense does show weaknesses at times like they're not a great defense by any means and I think the Browns can put up points against this roster so I am excited to see this game but I think Patrick Mahomes Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey and this offense is going to be way too much for the Browns to handle and I just think at the end of the day, the Chiefs are way more talented. And they got a lot on the line here because if they lost this game, that'd be that'd be a rough, rough look for them. So I have to give the Kansas City Chiefs the edge on this one. And the last game is Buccaneers versus Saints. I think this game is going to be phenomenal. I know the Saints kind of embarrassed the Buccaneers in the regular season, and that can be cause for concern. If you're concerned by that, I completely understand you, and it makes a lot of sense, but... I'm giving the Buccaneers the win on this one. Now, the Saints are a very talented team. Alvin Kamara is such a phenomenal running back. Their defense has been playing such good football all year. But at the end of the day, I trust Tom Brady. And Tom Brady has so many good weapons around him. Uh, Mike Evans is such a great player. Antonio Brown is starting to play some really good football. Uh, Chris Godwin is phenomenal as well. Like this team is stacked and I think they're going to play their best football. And I think when they play their best football, this team could be anybody because they are that talented. They have so many talented players on the defensive side of the ball as well. I mean, that linebacking core with Levante David uh, is just so, so good. They got such a good team and I sh at the end of the day like I said I trust Tom Brady I think this is going to be a back and forth game I think it's going to be very close and would I be surprised if the Saints won it not at all but I have to give the Buccaneers the win on this one because I just believe in Tom Brady and I believe in this roster but yeah I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back to talk about the NBA Okay, I'm back to talk about some NBA stuff, and the first team I want to talk about is the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're a team that I've actually talked about quite a lot, as surprisingly, even with all the very, very good teams and all the interesting storylines, one of my favorite ones has been watching the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've been a team that I've had an absolute blast watching, and their team that even though we 
all expected them to either tank or just not be that good of a team. They're a team that somehow has continued to compete and be a very, very solid team. They recently were able to get a win over the Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, you have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt because they were missing Kyrie Irving. But, I mean, they still had Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant balled out this game. But they were still able to get the win. And they just have so many young guys on this roster who are ascending and who are playing some very good basketball that makes it so much fun to watch like Lou Dort Lou Dort is legit he isn't just some meme even though he is a guy who's a meme a lot on like NBA Twitter everybody calling him like the goat but he is legitimately a very very good basketball player and he's improved a lot from last season like he's up to 12.4 points per game his three-point shooting is so much better now uh, he's shooting 4.73s a game and shooting uh, almost 43%. Now, I don't expect that exactly to hold up, but for him to even be around a 38 to 37% three-point shooter on that many attempts would be a success of a season. And these are not even all just like catch and shoot. Uh, last game, uh, he literally hit a pull-up three off the dribble, and it was just incredible to watch his handles so much better he's just expanded his game so much and he's still putting in all that energy on the defensive side of the ball and it's still so good on that side so it's definitely been cool to see him improve Darius Baisley is a player who I like quite a lot and he's kind of struggled early on in the season he's been a little inconsistent but I still think he has a ton of potential uh, he's still having a solid season, just not having the season I'd exactly hope for. want to see that three-point shot go in like it was going in last season, but I do still like to see the confidence in him shooting uh, more attempts and then just him getting much more opportunity now. I think he'll start to really take advantage of it soon, and we saw him have a really good game, so it's not like he's just had a terrible season. Al Horford has improved uh, his value a ton on the open market. I mean, if you, you actually just look statistically, he's averaging basically the same numbers he did last year, but it just has a different feel to it, man. You can just see the impact now where he's actually playing the right position with him still playing center. And is it still a bad contract? Absolutely. But with him playing center, he's still an impactful uh, player at the end of the day. He's still a great and super smart defender, has the threat to shoot the three ball. I mean, he's shooting six a game, basically, and he's shooting almost 35%. Really good playmaker and just a super high IQ guy. So he's definitely proven his worth on the open market. And I actually heard a trade proposal. Well, just like the idea of him going somewhere that actually made a lot of sense to me. And it was the Toronto Raptors. Uh, because the Toronto Raptors very clearly have a hole at the center position, and I don't really know what that trade exactly would look like, but it's like the idea of him getting traded to a team like that that needs some help at the center position and needs a good solid vet. So if the Raptors still wanted to compete, maybe an Al Horford trade could help them with that. We all know how good Shea Gilgis Alexander is. He is a stud and up-and-coming young player who's just been playing very, very well this season. He's proving that he can be the guy on a team. His playmaking has looked much better, which was honestly the thing I was criticizing more than anything about him because I knew the scoring would be there. I mean, he's just so smooth, and he always does such a good job of playing at his pace and not letting anybody else speed him up. His three-point shot is definitely not something that's great, but it's uh, serviceable enough, and then he's so good in the mid-range area, so crafty around the basket, and like I said, that playmaking is something... That has stood out quite a lot and shows that they really don't need like a big time playmaker next to him. I do think he still uh, could use another playmaker that would help him quite a lot. 
Uh, but he has proven that he can be the main playmaker on a team. And then George Hill is a guy that people at the deadline are going to line up to trade for. I've said this multiple times, but George Hill is just such a valuable player, such a good veteran, and he's on a really good contract as well. Like His contract is very, very cheap, and he's averaging basically 12 points on uh, 49% from the field, 40% from three, and 83% from the line, three and a half assists on good defense as well. Like He's a player that they could easily get a late first-round pick for, and a team that is competing and needs a backup point guard will absolutely trade some good value for George Hill and give up some good stuff for him. So I've definitely loved what I've seen from him. Even random guys like Isaiah Roby has been playing really good for the Thunder this year. He's been playing like a lot of small ball center for them, which has been an interesting experiment. He's getting way more opportunity. I mean, last year on OKC, he only got 3.8 minutes per game and only three games, played a lot in the G League, and he's been solid this year so far. Uh, he's averaging eight and a half points and only 17.4 minutes, shooting 65.6% from the field, 41.7% from three. Uh, like he's just been playing well as well. And uh, like I said, I do like him playing the small ball center role. It gives them a lot of flexibility, a lot of athleticism. Hamadou Diallo has been actually getting like legitimate minutes and has been playing very, very well for them. Uh, he averaged 19 and a half minutes last year, and he only averaged 6.9 points, but he's very clearly improved quite a lot. And it's not like his three-point shot is much better, because it really isn't, and that's something that's just not a big part of his game. But he's just definitely gotten better as a ball handler, and really using that just crazy natural athleticism that he's had. Uh, he's averaging 12.1 points. I mean, in this little New York trip for uh, them, he played absolutely phenomenal both games and was a big reason they uh, won those games. Uh, he put up 25 points in this most recent one, getting to the free throw line more. He's really good at getting in passing lanes, had four steals in this one. Uh, Theo Melodon is someone who hasn't been playing great so far, but I still think has a lot of potential. Uh, and even if he's inefficient right now, I do still like to see him getting the minutes the way he is. Like, he's still getting 20.4 minutes. They're still putting all the trust in him, which I obviously love to see. Uh, but he's only shooting 36.4% and 29.4%. Uh, from three and but he's still getting three assists about six points per game I think it's just going to take time with him as it does most rookies and especially rookie guards rookie guards is one of the hardest things to transition to and then Pokusevsky has definitely struggled a lot so far this season but I'm not surprised by it and I'm not concerned by it because Pokusevsky has always been and will always be a project player and first of all they didn't take him too high anyway so it's not like they have to worry about that but he's always going to be a player who has a lot of potential but is going to need patience and it's going to need time before he really figures things out because you got to consider he's coming off uh, from playing overseas he really didn't play in that good of a league the competition really wasn't there and he just he just really isn't ready for the NBA mostly due to his size like seven foot 190 pounds he's just gonna get bullied out there sometimes his shot has definitely struggled a ton shooting 13.6 percent from three on three attempts but he's still again showing the confidence and they're showing the confidence in him uh, even in close games where he's probably a negative out there they're still willing to give him the minutes and show that he's a guy who's a big part of their future and that they want to develop so I love to see that he's again just gonna need time he needs time to develop his body, needs to have time to transition to the NBA, and he'll get there at some point, in my opinion, because he just has crazy potential, man. Like, his potential is out of the... 
It's just ridiculous. Like, he has Chris Stapp's Porzingis potential. And am I saying he's going to reach that potential? No, but he still has it. And I think if they develop him the right way, uh, he can be an amazing player for them. They got a player like Josh Hall on their team who uh, definitely isn't, like, a great player by any means. But I think has a lot of potential as a dude who's 6'9", 20 years old. He's basically coming out of high school. And if he can get some development... Uh, in the G League, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be in the G League bubble this year, uh, but if he can get some development next year and then in the future, I think he has a ton of potential as a big forward who can really handle the ball, who can shoot it pretty well as well. Like this team is just filled with potential, but they've still managed to be a very solid team. They've managed to be a team that looks like they could fight for a playoff spot, which is crazy to me because I thought this would be the year that they were just going to fall off uh, because they made so many moves and got rid of so many big pieces to this team but they've still managed to be good like last season I wasn't one of those guys who was just like oh yeah this team's gonna be terrible I thought they were gonna be a solid team now did I think they were gonna be as good as they were no because I didn't think Chris Paul was gonna be able to be healthy for a whole year and I didn't know he was gonna be so great uh but I'm just shocked by how good they're doing uh, at this point in the season. And uh, it's really cool to see they're doing an NBA rebuild right. Like I said last time, they're staying competitive while still stacking up young assets. Their young players are playing well. And they can go in whatever direction they want. They can be a team that fights for the playoffs this year. Or they can get rid of an Al Horford type of player. They can get rid of a George Hill and then get even more assets. And then continue to see their young players grow. Continue to give those guys more opportunity. You couldn't be in a better position than the Oklahoma City Thunder are in and they've been a team that I've kept a very close look in and I've really enjoyed watching them so far this season. Next team I want to talk about is the Golden State Warriors. They're starting to really turn things around and be a very, very competitive and solid team. At this point, they're the number five seed in the Western Conference, and this is the type of performance I expected out of them. I expected them to be a team that wasn't some ridiculous squad by any means, but was a solid, competitive, and competent team that would be around the sixth seed. And they're starting to do that. They got a very narrow win over the over the Toronto Raptors uh, in their most recent game. And I love that win so much because that was a win where Steph Curry did not play good by any means, played one of the worst games I've seen him play honestly ever. Like he was had a lack of aggressiveness at the beginning, and then he was just missing shots so much. He played terrible that game, and they were still able to get that win because other guys stepped up. Draymond is a guy who... You just can't look at the stats to see Draymond's true value. Like, the dude is averaging uh, four points, five assists, uh, five rebounds, and six assists. But his impact is so much more than that, man. Like, he just does everything that the squad needs. He's the leader that they need. He's the defensive communicator. He's the playmaker alongside Curry that they need. He just does absolutely everything for them and is so, so important to to the success of this team Wiggins has been turning things around and even though this is a pretty typical Wiggins game 17 points on 17 shots he still did hit some big shots had four assists four blocks as well he's been more active on the defensive side of the ball and I do like to see how he's turned things around a little bit uh, to 17 and a half points on still not great efficiency uh, but not terrible by any means and he's been shooting the three ball pretty well at 38 and a half percent 
Uh, and he's just been playing some solid basketball for this team, which is all they need out of Wiggins is him to be just a formidable NBA player. Wiseman, even though he doesn't have the IQ yet, and he's still a super, super raw player, he's definitely shown that potential, and his athleticism already just makes him a pretty solid player, even if a lot of the times it doesn't really look like he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, Eric Pascal has definitely stepped up. Now that he's playing more of a bench role and his role is to be a spark off that bench, it's helped him a lot and he's been playing much, much better than he did at the start of the season. He's averaging 12 points, shooting basically 39% from three, 54% from the field. He's been a really, really nice piece off that bench and I was worried he was going to be one of those guys who was just an empty stats player in his first year, but he legitimately is looking like a good basketball player. And even if a guy like Kelly Oubre is struggling as much as he is which he's been just terrible this season uh they're still managing to win games and again this was such an impressive win for them to get with Steph Curry struggling the way he did and it's not like someone had a random hot shooting night it's not like Wiggins put up 40 like they just had a well-rounded effort where even a guy like uh Kent Bazemore shot four of seven and scored nine points Damian Lee in 15 minutes scored 13 points it was just an all-around performance for them where guys stepped up and they were able to win an very ugly game, but a win regardless. Like, they only shot 28% from three. And other than this game, I mean, Steph Curry's been playing so, so well recently. So I'm not I'm not worried by, about him by any means because, I mean, he's averaging 28.6 points on the season. Isn't shooting the three ball, like, crazy well as far as percentage-wise just compared to what we're used to. But still... 11.43s per game and 36.8% is nothing to joke around about. Like, that's still excellent stuff from him. He's getting to the free throw line the most times he ever has in his career. Getting to the line 6.9 times per game and shooting 95.7% on it. So he's doing really, really well at that. Love to see that. He's playmaking very well getting about 6.7 assists per game. He's just doing everything for this uh, Warriors squad, and I really like the performance I've seen from him so far. He's been hooping, uh, and I think he's going to continue to keep this up, continue to be an MVP candidate because I just believe that much in Steph Curry. I think the narrative that he can't carry a team is one of the stupidest things ever. Like, is he maybe the, the most ideal player to carry a team? No, but... People saying he can't carry a team at all is just completely dumb. And people just are exposing that they clearly haven't watched basketball uh, since after 2015. Or they just think this dude's career started in 2015 because he's carried teams uh, before that. And if you say, oh, well, he had an 18-point-per-game scorer in David Lee, is the dude just supposed to have no help? Like, the only dude that can have no help and win is probably LeBron, and we've seen him do that, but that's a, such a high standard to hold to literally a player who can make a very good argument is the greatest player of all time. People are just so dumb, man. Next team I want to talk about is the Charlotte Hornets. LaMelo Ball. This dude is special. And it's time for LaMelo Ball to start. I know some Hornets fans have attachments to Terry Rozier, uh, but he's just not been playing good. And this man, 
LaMelo has been absolutely hooping. We all heard about him becoming the youngest player in NBA history to get a triple-double. He was amazing this game. I mean, he put up 22 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, and it's the efficiency that stands out the most. 9 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, and he only had one turnover as well. Just lights out stuff from the Mel Ball. And then we look at the guy who's starting over him, Terry Rozier. 9 points, 1 of 6 shooting, 1 of 5 from 3. Uh, five rebounds and seven assists at the end of the day Lamelo ball is probably already the better basketball player and I know this is also partly due to Devontae Graham being in a slump but I think a lot of people have also just figured out Devontae Graham's game and figured out that he's an inefficient player outside of a three-point shooter and when he's not hitting his threes especially he's just not that good but Terry Rozier has actually been awesome this year. And the thing that annoys me is that Terry Rozier and LaMelo do have a really good uh, connection. And they've been playing off each other very well whenever they're out there together. So I think, again, it's just time for LaMelo to start. But I got to give a ton of credit to uh, Terry Rozier. Obviously, he was good last year. Like, he shot 6.73s a game and shot almost 41%. He averaged 18 points. But this season, he's been even better uh, in less minutes, too. He played 34.4 minutes last year, and he's only playing 31.9 minutes this year, and he's averaging 20.3 points. He's shooting the three ball so well this year at 43.8% on eight attempts per game. Uh, he's just been that score that they really, really need, and I just love the dynamic that he does have with this roster because he's not much of a playmaker, and he gets to play his natural role of playing more of an off guard and just being the scorer when he has playmakers in Devontae Graham and LaMelo Ball alongside him. That just fits him so much better than him being forced to just be something that he's not. Uh, the center position is something that is very weak on this roster, especially now that Cody Zeller is injured. Uh, but they can run small ball at times and run like P.J. Washington at the five, which I like because if you know me, I like P.J. Washington quite a lot. And he's just been solid this year. He hasn't really taken the leap that I've expected him to. He's looked just kind of like rookie P.J. Washington. And that's still a very good basketball player. Still a great shooter. Would like to see him take more threes per game, though, because he's only taken 2.9. And I don't think that shows the capability that he has as a shooter. And he's a solid rebounder as well. Solid defender. He's averaging one and a half blocks. He's just had a cool season so far. And I like what I've seen from him. And honestly, Gordon Hayward. It needs more recognition for the way he's been playing. He's he's been playing like an all-star so far this season, and if the season stopped right now, he would be an all-star. This has been a damn near career season for him. Uh, in 2017 with Utah, he put up 21.9 points, and he's putting up 21.4. He's doing it on almost exactly the same efficiency, shooting slightly worse from three uh, and then better from the free throw line. He's still averaging a good amount of assists. I think this is a career high in assists, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, he's that. He had one year where he had 5.2 assists per game, and then he had uh, last year he had 4.1, but he's also had 4.1 this year. Like, in just all facets of the game, he's been playing very, very well, and he's been super consistent, too, which is always the thing with A-Word is just him being more consistent, and a lot of his inconsistencies is not really his fault because a lot of his inconsistencies is due to him getting injured at literally the worst time possible because he would just get injured so much when he would be on a roll with the Celtics especially, man. I don't know what happened with his injuries because it just went rampant with him uh, that year, but 
he would always get injured after having like a super hot streak of games where he'd be averaging like 20 on super good efficiency and then he'd get injured and then he'd get reacclimated and he'd be solid but he'd not be the player that we all knew he had the capabilities of being but he's just playing really really well for the Charlotte Hornets so far and again he's been an all-star level player and he's been the best player on this team and is he ever going to be worth that 30 million dollar contract probably not but for the Charlotte Hornets especially who struggled to get free agents anyway I think it was well worth it getting just a good basketball player and a guy like Gordon Hayward because he's going to help your young guys because he's such a good spacer. He's going to give a ton more room for the other players to operate. And then he's such a good playmaker as well who's just so unselfish. So I do really enjoy the role that he plays for this team. You got a guy like Miles Bridges who I like quite a lot just due to his athleticism. I mean, this dude is crazy athletic but can also shoot the three pretty well and has been shooting it very, very well to start the season, shooting 39 9.5% on 3.83s a game. Then he's such a good lob target for guys like LaMelo. I just really enjoy the dynamic of this roster. They're honestly just one of the most fun teams in the NBA. And they're a team that I've consistently uh, said would be really fun and consistently said they would be a team that fought for like a playoff spot. And they're proving me right. They got multiple wins over an Atlanta Hawks team who, though, have been struggling a lot. At the end of the day, they are still a good basketball team. And it's still impressive for them to get wins over them. And I love the way LaMelo's playing. Love the way Hayward, uh, Terry Rozier is playing. This team is just super fun. And honestly, they're a good team that I could see either sneaking into the playoffs as like an A seed. Or definitely, I could see them being in uh, the playoff tournament for sure. Because uh, they just have to be the 10th seed for that. And they can absolutely do that. This team is very, very good and very, very fun. Now getting into some player spotlights. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about some young and up-and-coming wings who have been standing out to me. And the first one I have to start off with is absolutely Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges has been a massive part of the Suns' success so far this season. And I feel like he's getting almost no credit for how good he's been doing so far. So far in the season, he's averaging 15.2 points. 5.4 rebounds, 1.2 assists on 49% from the field, 46.7% from three, and 88% from the line. That efficiency is phenomenal. I mean, he's shooting a 66.1 uh, true shooting percentage, which is very, very good from him. He's been playing so consistently just very well for this team and again he's a big reason why they're atop the western conference in their most recent game against a very good pacers team who's very good on the defensive side of the ball he put up 34 points i mean his offensive game has just improved so much and you got to start off with his ability to shoot the three ball. He has always had the ability, but it's been somewhat inconsistent with his ability to shoot the three. In his rookie season, on 3.8 attempts, he shot 33.5%. Last season, on 2.7 attempts, he shot 36.1%. So, like, these are solid numbers, but they don't compare at all to the six attempts he's taking this season, which I always love to see players just taking more attempts from three because I feel like as long as you're a good three-point shooter, it just helps out your efficiency so much. And then him shooting 
46.7%. That number is not sustainable, but I still think he can be a plus 40% shooter because he's clearly worked on that shot a lot, and it's paying off because he is shooting the three ball so well. In this game against uh, the Pacers, shot 12 of 18 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3, and what I like most about his game is honestly just his understanding and his awareness of his role. He understands completely that he's never going to be a player who is like a big time shot creator and is not going to be taking guys off the dribble but he just plays his role and he plays it so well with him just getting catch and shoot threes with the excellent playmakers that they have and he just feeds off so well of the guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker because he can just stand on the wing stand in the corner and those guys bring so much attention to uh, them and they're such good uh, playmakers as well that he gets so many open shots he's a great player in transition as well he does a really good job of moving off ball getting backdoor cuts and then he does a good job of just uh, doing straight line drives like he he knows his role completely and he plays it to a t he plays it perfectly and then on the defensive side of the ball this man is just easily one of the best defenders in the league i think he definitely deserves uh an all defense spot and i feel like he should have got more recognition for that last year because he is an elite and locked down wing defender he has that crazy long wingspan he's not super uh heavy by any means with him being 6'6 209 but he's heavy enough he's strong enough and it's just his effort his awareness and his length that helps him so much on that side of the ball and he's so good on that side of the ball We've consistently seen him play very good defense and put up a good fight against guys like Aluka Doncic. Like, whenever the Mavericks play uh, the Suns, it's always difficult for Luka because of how good Mikhail Bridges is on that side of the ball. And players like that, they're going to put up big numbers sometimes. If he's facing a team like the Lakers, LeBron is going to put up big numbers, but it's about making every single shot as difficult as possible and Mikhail Bridges is willing to do that willing to put in that effort and then his improvement on the offensive side of the ball while still being as good of a defender as he is is the thing that stands out the most he's a guy who should very quietly be in like most improved player conversation because he's gone up 6.1 points shooting the three ball at basically 10 percent better shooting uh, free throws 3.6 percent better like he's better at all facets of the game basically and he's, again, such a big reason why this team has been so successful. And he's getting no recognition for that. Because Devin Booker is the star of the team. He's the flashy guy. He's a phenomenal player uh, and definitely deserves credit for why they're winning games. Chris Paul was their big acquisition. And he should be a player that everybody thinks is going to uh, help this team so much, which he has completely. Uh, and he's changed this team completely. Not taking credit away from him, but... People that aren't giving Mikhail Bridges the recognition he deserves for why this team is so good because there's more high-profile players on this team. Like DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul are all more high-profile high players. And they're all better players than him, don't get me wrong. But he's, that doesn't mean he just doesn't uh, deserve to get a ton of credit for why they've been playing so good. And he uh, is one of the biggest reasons why they've been playing. He, they've been playing so good because he's been great on the offense side of the ball and is still doing his thing on defense. Mikael Bridges has been awesome and is one of the most underrated players in the NBA and he's definitely a super underrated young up-and-coming wing, uh, only 24, and he has a very, very bright future ahead of him. 
Next player I want to talk about is DeAndre Hunter for the Atlanta Hawks. He's quietly been uh, very, very consistently good for this roster this year. In a year so far where they've been very inconsistent, their star player, Trey Young, has had such a weird season where he started off so hot and has slowed down. John Collins has just been pretty solid this year. They've dealt with a ton of injuries. The one thing that has stayed consistent with this team is DeAndre Hunter playing good basketball. So far on the season, he's averaging 16.4 points, 6.8 rebounds, and 2.2 assists while shooting 51% from the field. 42.2% from three and 85.2% from the line. That efficiency is just so good. He's shooting a 63.9% true shooting, which is an elite rate from him. That's absolutely phenomenal stuff from him. And overall, he's just been playing so good. He's very clearly improved his game and uh, basically every way imaginable. He's become a more consistent three-point shooter. He was a solid shooter last year, shooting 35.5%, but that's basically just like league average. But now he's improved to being a guy who is a very, very good shooter. And I don't even think the 42.2% is like unreasonable for him to keep up. I think he can keep up around the 40 range because that's just how much I believe in him as a shooter. Uh, because coming into the league, honestly, I was a little disappointed by his rookie season. He was a, a very solid rookie, but I just expected a little bit better because he was like a four-year college guy. And I always expect those guys to just come in the league. Uh, well, he, he was... Uh, an older player. I don't actually know if he was four-year. I think he may have been three-year, uh, but I always expect those guys to just be uh, very, very good immediately, uh, but he wasn't. Uh, he had his moments, but he wasn't just consistently super good, but now he's taken that step. He's uh, definitely grown a lot as a player and has grown to being a very good player. And another thing that I like about his game is very similar to Mikhail Bridges, who I just talked about. He just knows his role very well. He's a player who doesn't go outside of himself much. Like he takes five threes a game and most of those are catch and shoot. A lot of those are in the corner or on the wing and very little of those are contested either. And that's why he's shooting such a good percentage. Like I don't need him to be this big time shot creator because that's just not who he is. Like he doesn't have a very good handle, but he just knows how to get to his spots very, very well. He's super good at moving off the ball which I always have a soft spot for people who just know how to move off the ball well know how to get backdoor cuts and then are good in transition as well because he just gets easy points consistently he gets to the free throw line three times a game shoots a very good percentage on those good rebounders well uses his size and length to his advantage on uh, on that end with him being 6'8", 225, and that also helps him a ton on the defensive side of the ball where he's always been a very good defender and that's what he came in the league being known for is his ability as a 3 and D guy and now that the 3 has really unlocked and been really good, the defense is also been as good as it was in his rookie season and even better with more experience now. So he's using that size, that length to his full advantage to being honestly a damn near elite wing defender and has helped this roster on that side of the ball a lot because uh, obviously with a guy like Trey Young as your star player and John Collins being another player, you're probably going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball. So you need a guy like DeAndre Hunter. You need a Cam Reddish to step up a lot and take the responsibility of guarding the best player on the other team at times and he's been willing to do that completely and he's been doing a pretty good job of that so I got to give him a ton of credit for just being uh, very consistent for this team and being one of the best three and D wings in the league and especially when you consider how young he is 
uh, with him being 23, still has a ton of room to grow. Uh, and he could honestly be a guy who averages like 18 points at some point in his career while also being a super efficient three-point shooter and being one of the best uh, defenders as well. He could be a fringe all-star type of guy. Uh, I really believe in DeAndre Hunter that much, and he's been excellent so far for the Atlanta Hawks. And as another guy who I just don't think has gotten the recognition that he deserves for his performance so far in the 2021 NBA season. Last player I want to talk about is Patrick Williams of the Chicago Bulls. He's been a player that I've definitely uh, kept a pretty close eye on just due to him being drafted so high, much higher than I expected. And I really wanted to see how he performed this season. And he's been performing very, very well so far. Patrick Williams was someone who I was super intrigued about in the draft because, as I have always said and I'll consistently repeat, uh, this 2020 draft was interesting for so many different reasons. It was interesting because there wasn't a clear-cut guy, even though I thought it was a mellow ball. A bunch of other people thought different things. There wasn't just a clear-cut really anything in this draft. Most of the times you could tell, like, a pretty solid like top 10, but the top 10 varied so much for different people for either their big board or their mock draft. And then so many of these guys had so much time to improve on their game and hone in on their skills that a lot of these guys would become completely different players uh, than we saw them in college. And that's what happened with Patrick Williams. That's why I was one of, I was a person who was interested in him the most is just due to him having the opportunity to improve so much because he was the youngest-born American player. Uh, Pokusevsky is the youngest rookie, but he was the youngest-born American player, and he came off of the bench at college, but I'm not one of the people that hold that super against a player because a guy like Devin Booker came off the bench, and we all know how good Devin Booker is. Uh, and then for uh, Florida State, they're a team that nobody ever puts up individually really good numbers. Like, their best player... Uh, only put up like 12 points per game and that's just kind of how things work for them uh they they're never going to be a team that someone puts up like 20 25 points per game it's just how their system works and he was solid in college but he's definitely improved quite a lot and he's been really good for the bulls so far he's averaged 10.3 points 3.5 rebounds and one assist on 47.2 percent from the field 45.8% from three and 85.7% from the line for a true shooting of 57.5%. And overall, he's just been very well-rounded and very solid for this team. Uh, I like him because he really doesn't go outside of himself. He fits into his role very well. Like He's only taken 8.1 shots per game, but he's efficient with all of those shots and has been making most of those shots like He's shooting 47.2%, which is a very good percent. I love the three-point percentage especially because that was something I was worried about the most was the three-point shooting. And I don't think 45.8% is sustainable because that's a ridiculous percentage that only guys uh, like – I only expect guys like Seth Curry to shoot uh, that crazy of a percentage. But if he could even be a 38% shooter, which would be almost an 8% drop-off from where he started, I still think that's very, very good. And that's damn near elite shooting from him. He's only taking 2.2 per game, but that's also what I like is that he's not uh, doing something unrealistic. Like He's just fitting into his role perfectly because he knows that there's other guys on this roster who deserve the ball more than him, simply enough. There's a lot more offensively talented players like Zach Levine and Kobe White are going to have the ball a lot. So he's just getting catch and shoot open corner threes on the wing. And 
Uh, he's hitting those very, very well. Uh, I like his ability to work in the pick and roll. That's something that has always stood out to me, uh, even in college when he didn't have as much of an opportunity, was his ability as a big 6'8", 215-pound forward to still have the handle and still be able to work in the pick and roll. He's definitely improved on his handle quite a lot, and that's something that's helped him. And then him on the defensive side of the ball, he's already so, so solid there. I mean, uh, it helps that he's so strong, too. It's 6'8", 215, and I don't even think that weight just shows how strong he is. He has a very similar build to a guy like Kawhi Leonard, and those type of guys are just so good uh, at just going through their defenders due to how strong they are, and that helps them a ton on the defense side of the ball because this man is a brick wall. Like, if, unless you are a player like Kawhi who has ridiculous strength like he does, it's going to be hard to go past uh, a guy like Patrick Williams. And we, we saw in that Lakers game and in the Clippers game, he was playing very good defense on a guy like LeBron and a guy like Kawhi, Paul George. Though He's already given the responsibility of guarding the elite wings on other teams, and that just shows uh, the Chicago Bulls' trust in him which I love to see. And I've been really impressed by his ability to play kind of out of position because I think his most successful position with, would him be playing at the th- at the four instead of the three. But he's adapted to playing the three, and he's played it very, very well. Just in all facets of the game, he's played solid. He's shooting the three ball well. He's getting uh, good at attacking the basket. He's working well in the pick and roll. He's hitting his free throws. He's rebounding solid enough. He's playing really good defense. Like, as a rookie, he's just been so well-rounded and so good. And I feel like his his name just doesn't pop up much in the conversation of being the best rookie because those top three guys get most of the hype. Like, uh, LaMelo obviously gets the hype because he's a super fun player. And, and, I mean, we all know who LaMelo is. Anthony Edwards was the number one pick. And then James Wiseman is in Golden State. He was the number two pick. But as the fourth pick and being in Chicago, Patrick Williams just doesn't get that same attention. And honestly, he's been consistently one of the better rookies. Like, I I think a guy like Tyrese Halliburton has probably been better than him. I would give LaMelo the edge over him. But you can argue he's been like the third best rookie with guys like James Wiseman, Peyton Pritchard. Uh, He's been performing very, very well so far and just hasn't got the recognition for it. So that's why I think he deserves one of my player spotlights. Really love what I've seen from Patrick Williams out there in Chicago. It has been Michael. That was the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Peace out, guys.